Welcome to the weekly Reboot Your Friday podcast debrief of things we've heard and seen coming from the Agile community here in Melbourne, Australia and beyond. This week, this is our first in a series of podcast episodes about the poster. We created the poster in response to the many frustrations we hear from our community and clients about how difficult it is to embed agility, adaptiveness and all the crucial elements that are needed to empower teams to deliver amazing outcomes for their businesses. It contains what we think is everything important in terms of principles, values, practices, culture and mindset for a great delivery transformation and you can find it on our website which I'll link to in the show notes. But we are often asked where and how do we start? So we've created a series of posts and podcast episodes to go with the poster that contain insights and interviews to help people understand where to start, give a bit of context to the area and more guidance. We hope it's going to be useful for a lot of people out there. As usual, we like hearing from many different voices and for today's topic of every team has a customer, we're talking to someone I know is kind of obsessed with how customers experience products and services and that is Indra Kilfoyle from our team. Well, first of all, Indra, can you just tell me who you are? Like, well, particularly you're interesting because you illustrated the poster that we're talking about. Oh, do I have to own up to that? <laughs> well, your name's on it, so. So my background or? Yeah. So I'm Indra and I come from a, a diverse background, well, a non-conventional background. Um, someone has a cartographic degree and never actually worked in cartography and then went from there into graphic design. And then over the years of progressed more into tech and managing tech teams. So I have this obsession over the customer and I'm not really sure where it came from, but I am a little bit upset because I think I've seen, I've actually worked in an organisation where the customer increasingly was this abstract um, concept. So I've seen, you know, what can happen when you sort of lose sight of the customer. So, but also, you know, I'm still a designer by heart mm. and love design, but also love tech. So yeah. I'm kind of bouncing between the two and understand sort of both sides of that, that spectrum. Yeah. So I'm quite fascinated where it's all going. Let's begin with the customer and why not? After all, great products and services need customers to buy and use them. They need a purpose and a reason to exist in the world. If only it was as easy to understand as that. Why isn't it? What companies and services are really great at this and what about them is not only convenient about interacting with them but also makes us feel like valued customers. My standout example is when I was signing up to put um, our beach house on Airbnb, I did it from bed on my mobile phone. Yeah. And I only had to get onto the laptop to do one thing. Yeah. And I think it was connect to PayPal. I can't quite remember because yeah. my overarching takeaway was, oh my God, I've done this lying down on a Saturday yeah. morning. But the fact you had to do still do, go to your laptop to do that one thing, you yeah. would argue, cause, and they say now, every, it's all mobile. Yes, mobile Everyone first. does so much on their mobile. Yeah. So. Well, even now, so that was two years ago, right? Yeah. And now that would probably be unacceptable. Yeah. Oh my God, I have to go to my laptop for a while. Yeah. And I bet that feature now exists on their mobile mobile. platform. I I guess what I remember being quite different or making me feel different or making me feel special as a customer was, you know how you never quite feel like a grown-up sometimes or you don't feel like you're good enough? Yeah. They they were saying to me, oh, you can take, just use 
photos that you've taken with your mobile phone. That's absolutely, absolutely ac okay. acceptable. Yeah, yeah. The photo quality of mobile phones is quite good yep. nowadays. And yep. I just felt this, oh, you're making it really easy, easy. for me. Yeah. And I don't think, I think that was the real wow moment for me because sometimes it's very hard to use the products and services yeah. we use in the world. So maybe it's about understanding us, how we want to interact with products, how those companies understand that, making things easy and bringing that convenience right to us. I'm a big one guilty of um, having great ideas and going, yeah, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And then if the process becomes too hard, if I'm not that invested in it, yes. in, in what I, on, on my goal, and you go, oh yeah, this might be nice. Yes. And then you kind of get halfway through and it becomes hard. Absolutely. So if I wanted to, you know, even list my place on Airbnb, if I then had to organise getting photographers out mm. and stylists and all of that, and yeah. then you're trying to fit in around everything out, and I'm like, oh, you know what? Mm. Too hard. Like, I don't need that income desperate enough. Yeah. You know, so, but the fact you can just go, oh, you know what? I'm just going to take photos on my phone. You can just yeah. do it then and there, and yeah. it's done and dusted. I didn't have to speak to another human being in And that's a big thing. Mm. Not speaking on it. You know, I used to love the telephone. I rarely speak on the phone. Yeah, and millennials don't at all, apparently. No, yeah. and this is the thing, and it's when, you know, I'm a big one for menu log and ordering pizzas online purely yeah. so I don't have to have a conversation. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I'm getting the guy at the door chatting to me, giving me brochures, becoming all too familiar, asking questions, and I'm like, this has failed. <laughs> yeah, I've had to have I did not want this relationship. The whole point is you hand over the, the pizza, close the door, job done. I think a lot of that is just keeping it simple, yeah. and easy. It, and, and in service of the customer, thinking about what they want and yeah, need. And, and not giving the customer a chance to back out. It needs to be short, sharp, simple, no pain, and yeah. not add to the mental load of the day of all the other things you're trying to navigate. So you get an idea, let's just knock this out so within an hour or two you've sorted it job done yeah. move on to your next project or what else you have to negotiate mm. i think there's a lot to be said mm. making it simple keeping life simple no hassle okay so we can't make things too hard we don't want unnecessary relationships with our products and services and we just want to get our jobs done short sharp simple without pain without adding to the mental load of our day so that's what we want and that's what we think of when we interact with those great companies where they have products who have got it right and we're enjoying them. But why is it so hard to achieve when we're inside companies and inside the teams in companies that are actually building the stuff? Well, what they're all saying is diversity on teams. You know, if you've got a, a narrow team of, of ideas and experiences, then you, you're not capturing all the edge cases. So a good product and experience is about having that knowledge, that, that broad knowledge. So that all goes back to the people on your teams, the organisations. It's not in isolation. Mm. So if you've got, you know, I don't know, different genders and cultural and ages, mm. then you, you're bringing in all these different perspectives. So you need to factor all of that in. Mm into your product because what yeah. works for one person might not work for another and also you don't know yes i think you're right i think one, one thing that you get with diversity for free is yeah, you get an is. increased spectrum of empathy yes that's that's yeah. because i can empathize with you we're quite similar in many yeah. ways yeah. 
I can't emphasize with a millennial because no. I'm not going through the same experience they exactly. are. Exactly. And it's a, a digitalized childhood. Yeah. And, and it's a different world, isn't yeah. it? From when we were younger. Yes. We didn't have phone, iPhones and all yeah. that sort of stuff. So. We might be older and wiser and can imagine, um, but we can't have their experiences yes exactly so if we're going to have small autonomous teams yep. we better make sure that we've got They're diverse representative thought in those small number yep. of people or if you haven't got diverse thought you have access mm. or you're open to, to tapping into diverse thoughts some other ways yeah you, know, you can't just you just can't live in a closed system diversity diversity of teams background and knowledge is key we need that broad perspective it will give us a better chance to empathise with more customers and represent their needs. We can't live in a closed system. But what about trusting the companies that are creating products and services for us? How do we cater for trust as we continue to interact with products over time? Are we loyal or less loyal than we used to be? Will customers overcome trust problems and stick with products? The trends in 2019 for tech. Mm -hmm. One of the big things this year will be you know, accountability, mm. you know, whether it's security, edge cases, sort of some of the issues women face with some um, violence and trolling and, you know, so making technology safe and, and a positive experience. And I think all too often it's the bell curve mm. and, and you're catering for the, the bulk of your customers mm. where, and your perception of that, but the edge cases and at the you know, a lot of the time, the, the edge cases, there's a lot of damage. You know, and then those edge cases do become your main customers. Yeah, so well, you need to be able to adapt yes. to that as well. Yeah, we absolutely, yeah, that's a good point because you can't even say that, you know, Airbnb, I'm yep. not the same customer as I was two years ago. I'm a little bit more suspicious of platforms now. Yep. I've had some yep. positive experiences through Airbnb, but now I've had some yep. negative ones as well. Yep. When I had a particular question about something, I couldn't find a human being to talk to. I had to go to a community yep. centre first. Yep. Um, and and then when I contacted them, they did get back to me and I felt like a person was talking to me on a message. But yep. um, I was at the point of, I think I'm, I'm thinking of leaving you guys. So Yeah, because this is too hard. Yeah. And so I don't, and also you I have don't a, understand what's going on with your algorithm and searching. Yeah, and, and I don't like feel that. like I'm in control. Yeah. You know, this is. So it's a very finely run, it's a very fine run thing, isn't and it? And the balance, yeah. And you, and you look at Airbnb and I think at the start, this was great, you know, but, yeah. you know, look where it's gone and mm. I don't think they could have even envisaged. No. The prop, the social problems. That popped up so quickly for them. Same with Uber. You know, and we're yeah. seeing with Facebook as well now. Uber Eats even in restaurants now. Yes, and that and the rebellion now. happened very quickly. Yeah. Um, and it's very interesting, isn't it? But then it's also interesting to see 50-year-old and 100-year-old companies be disrupted too. Yes. So um, yeah. the disruption curve seems to be heating up. Back to the teams creating products. Have developers become too distant from customers altogether? I was in this interesting Twitter conversation. A chap that tweeted a uh, maturity model for developers. It's interesting that his first four points mm. is that there's nothing about the customer. the customer at all. Correct. It's a good dev maturity model. So what yep. this guy Richard is trying to get across is, you know, there's a bit of a Maslow's, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, needs for developers. And, yep. and my question was, is there a caring about the customer level of maturity? And I just responded, I get it. I see a lot of dev folks isolated from customers. I think that's a problem in general. I wasn't trying to make him feel bad, but a lot of customers aren't the customer, people believe, like maybe you're building for an internal customer. Yeah. 
of the system. But is that valid? So shouldn't we all really understand in whatever business that we're in, no matter what we're software building or product we're building, have we become too distant from the customer of our products and services? I think so. My, my experience of dev teams is that they are, I don't know, God, God love them, but they love all the new shiny things and the tools and they love going off at tangents and there's a little bit of that, that hero, you know, all the genius in the teams. You know, and that's not everyone, you know. But I do think a lot of the way it's set up, it's a lot set of up teams, that, yes. it is set up for that. And and it's you might have a cross-functional dev team with, mm. you know, front-end, back-end kind of, and QAs. But you do need to have a, a close relationship, even with a product owner, mm. or first-hand experience. Because I think you don't know what you don't know. Mm. And sometimes devs, this they're smart. There's mm. no doubt about them really, really. That's why they do what they do. They're mm. really smart people. But their empathy, I think that's a, that's a good term. The developer empathy is really lacking. And what works for them isn't really what works for the customer. Like, they make assumptions. Yeah, you have to make assumptions. You can't know everything. Yeah. And yeah. if you're kept in this kind of little isolated unit of yeah. just build these features. Yeah. But also, you know, they, they live in a tech world. Yeah. You know, and they talk tech and have all the things and the gadgets, mm. but you know, the average lay person, you know, is the mum and dads or, who, you know, whoever, don't necessarily live in that world. So, to make assumptions, a level of understanding of tech, and to build that out, when other people, there's part, there's lots of examples where help desks are inundated with people who can't even install software or mm. applications or set up things because techs, tech folks or devs have just made assumptions that oh well everyone knows how to do that mm. because they mm. do, they mm. come from that world but it's going back to basics and taking a step out. Hmm. We've all been in a situation where we don't really have a clue about what we're building, who we're building for and why or is it just me and is it any wonder when tech can be such an immersive world to work in? We couldn't get buy-in without making some assumptions, could we? It's about going back to basics and thinking big about how what we are building is going to be used. You know, it's like when I studied design, one of the big things we were told, we were talking, you know, things like playgrounds and things like that. And you can design it all you like, but if someone gets hurt, it's a bad design. Mm. So you can't assume that you know, oh, this will be fine because it's actually, you know. Because kids won't use it that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, like, that bottom line, if someone could get hurt or the design actually doesn't work in a certain way, then it's just a bad design. Mm. You have to factor in everything. So it's really important to kind of take a step back. Big picture thinking, I think that's the thing, it's a big picture thinking. Devs are probably in their little world and really excited and, you know, picking up a card and it's probably in isolation and doing a you know, yeah. I wonder how many devs are laughing at you now, saying that they're really excited picking up a card. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. You know, but you know. What do we think it's like for developers then? What's their experience being asked to build features for products? How are we helping them get closer to customers? Well, I remember being a dev and starting off, and I guess we, thinking back, I just knew nothing about anything. 
no. about the project I was on, about the customer we were building for. Yeah. I hadn't met. They were internal customers back then because no, it was pre-internet. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, but it also wasn't it was it wasn't your problem. Like someone mm. else, that was the way companies are set up. That's mm. someone else's problem. That, like the product mm. owner or your manager. You're just going to do what you're told, and that's all you need to focus on, like yeah. quality code. And yes, but you always felt like that. Um, I dare not ask. I'll assume someone has thought this through. And yep. I, I remember very clearly one of my first development jobs was to build this little admin desktop yeah. for the users. So basically a settings yep. thing yeah. for the system we were building. And I was all happy in my little bubble reading um, <laughs> some specs of how it should work. and. You know, to me, it made perfectly logical sense how it all worked. Showed it to the customers first five minutes. Well, that's not going to work. Yeah, yeah. We can't select teams in that. So yeah, 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 where, yeah. where's the team yeah. set up? This is the way we use it. Yes. And my thing. attitude yeah. at the time was just kind of like they were wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, it was, but isn't that wonderful when you're that age and yeah. you know everything? Absolutely. And as you get older and have more experience, you go, yeah, 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 yeah. nah. And also, I'd invested so much time sitting on my own building it. <laughs> <laughs> and so they had to like it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if we believe that it's not developers' problem or right even to get involved in what solutions we build or how we build products, we're reducing our chances of getting it right by keeping all of the information siloed. How can we help the whole team, including developers, get engaged in discovering the customer? One of the concerns that I've sort of put into a blog that I wrote for the Closer to Customer stream, which I'll link to, my concerns are with product roles, with UX roles, with these other kind of roles maturing, which I love. I love the fact that we're seeing the need from, instead of project managers and, and, and managers, we're actually seeing the need for people to own products and the, and the need for some expertise and, and specialisation in those areas. But I think one of the things that it's driving is a, even more of a divide between developers and the customers that they're it's serving roles. and building for, yes. Yeah, so you do this, you mm. do, so it's kind of silos Absolutely. within a t cross-functional team, sort of. Yeah, and something that um, Rowan Bunning mm. said last week on the podcast was, you know, that's one of the frustrations he sees in that mm. assuming that the strategic decisions about the product is something that's happening mm. elsewhere from where the team is working. Mm. The team is closest to the action, or should mm. be, so interested in I guess when we train people on design thinking, we try and imprint this mindset of needing to know about the, the problem that they're trying to solve and well, who they're solving it for. That's where you do the personas. And I think, you know, at first I was a bit, mm, I don't know about... It's a bit woo. Yeah, it's a bit, it is a bit woo-woo. But then you kind of understand if you've got a, a picture of someone, and, we, and as humans we relate to that, we don't relate to abstract mm. concepts really so much. Like we, if, if you have a persona and a picture in there, they become a person, you can better empathise with them. So that's why I think developers would be good to get them to sort of even go out and even be out on the ground sort of talking to people or mm. oh, it's first so hand, which is, you know, idealistic. It's kind of idealistic, but what, I mean, one thing that we try and do um, that I find very powerful in, in our training session and in mm. coaching is just remembering to get outside of the room. Yep. Like, yep. do not sit yep. in the area where you're building this stuff. Yep. Yep. And go and see what people are doing and leave it. Go mm. to the source. Yep. And that you can do that by trying out the product mm. yourself. Because yeah. I guess for me, my experience with that, I guess with my own team, you know, because we were building out templates and strips and automating production mm. and layout. So I actually got my guys to actually, all three of them, had to go and actually lay out a book 
Yeah, fabulous. I put them into production and I made them do it. But it was interesting because I wanted them to experience and even identify some of the labour intensive, you know, and the manual things that they could improve, but also to understand the, the apps that they were building for production. That, yeah. Seeing them in use. Yeah, and understanding, you know, that their assumptions, oh, this is just how they do stuff. Well, you go, well, actually, kind of no. Mm. You know, you need to make it clear what's happening. Even if it's a matter of, you know, when it's working, you have a little running dog back and forth so they know it is actually working mm. rather than everything just going dead on your screen and all of a sudden it'll be done. Yeah. You know, just to let people know it's actually spinning and hasn't cracked. Like little mm. things like that. So, and that was a really, they still talk about that really oh, valuable go. exercise that they learned a lot. Going to the source is one excellent way we can get out of our fixed, narrow ideas and find out more about our customers. Walking in their shoes, using our own products ourselves, or trying to, and some foundation in human-centered design techniques and design thinking helps a lot. Not everyone is giving training courses on this, but it can be simpler and easier than you think. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say that, you know, you see little glimmers of yep. magic happening in different teams. Yep. You know, like when we were with the Energy Australia people, mm. um, we got people that they weren't comfortable. What were they doing? They weren't comfortable creating empathy maps. Yeah. Um, in particular, someone who was from a data background. And I yeah. understand that. He's trained in, it's not real unless you've got numbers to back it up. Yep. I can understand how. It's maybe not natural for everyone. So instead we grabbed clipboards and took to the streets and yeah. just uh, found people yeah. and talked to them and asked them their opinions. Yeah. And there's different ways of getting that information. Absolutely. What, there's totally different. I was reading something recently and they just said, go out and take photos. Yes. You know, or talk to people or... Go home and talk to your family yeah. and your partners. Google or even, well, probably that's probably not the best, you know. <laughs> yes, <laughs> take an interest of, and, yeah, and be more curious than yeah. closed, I guess. Yeah, and, and get your information from different sources and different and diversify your information because mm. you, you just never know. And and also, I think the one thing you say, kill your darlings too. Mm. Don't get hung up on preconceived ideas. Be open to be kind of um, contradicted in your thinking. I yes. think that's important too. It's and hard it, too because we all have bias, right? Oh, and we love our own ideas and think we know. <laughs> yeah. We, you know, we do, and we yeah. and, you, and we hate being proven wrong. Yeah. You know, we like to think we know, but I think we just need to let that go yeah. and actually go into things thinking, you know, what I, I might be proven wrong on this, or might not actually know, or there will be mm. surprises. Mm, kill your darlings. Keep churning out those ideas and be open to killing them off. How can we do this without taking forever and spending a lot of money? Test incessantly and learn mm. from your customers. You don't know until the rubber hits the road. Exactly. You can sit in your project rooms, discuss with your teams, have your product strategy, have your company goals and you know deliberate over that. But you don't know until you know. The so one thing we try and get teams yeah. to do is very, very small bets. Basing it on history and using history as a basis well, you can't predict the future. You just can't. Mm. It's, it's non-factual. You can only make assumptions. So you have to get your product out there mm. and get the information and then work on that. So yeah. And I think we're, we're quite hung up about what getting the product out there means. Yes. But I'm talking super small yep. experiments, yep. opinions. Yep. But be careful with opinions yeah, too, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Because I think it's quite fascinating. And as a designer, mm. 
you see something that fascinates me. People don't know what they want, but no. they know what they don't want. Mm. And I know from design, you know, you say, well, what, what do you want? And they'll go, oh, I want this, I want that. And then you show them, go, yeah, no, that's not what I want. Correct. You know? I don't know how many times have we co-designed something <laughs> and, I've, and I've said something and you're great. One of your real talents, I think, is stopping the talking and starting the doing. Yeah. And then putting, giving it for feedback. And you're yeah. very good. I, oh, I assume I, that's from a design background. Yeah, that You're possibly. quite good at open to feedback and you never take things personally. And also I've learned... Especially when we flip-flop on whether it's blue or white or white or blue. <laughs> <laughs> but this is, you know, what I was taught in... I, had, I actually think I did a really good course when I studied. It was design. It was product design and, mm -hmm. and graphics. And one of the things they did say was, um, you have to have a thick skin. Mm. And you do, you can't take it personally. But, it, but I have learned, there's no point going off on a tangent and doing all this work if then you show your client and they're going, yeah, nah. And then you have to do all, change everything because mm. it's, 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 it's nothing more annoying really mm. than having to go back and staying from scratch. And, yeah. and so I always like to keep people in the loop and, you know, and it, and it probably is MVP, you know, yeah. I've done this, am I on the right track, what mm. do you think, and, and getting that feedback, and, but it is, but you also have to be prepared, and it is that human nature that people don't know what they want, but they certainly, when they see it, know what they don't want, yeah. once they see it, yeah. you know, and, and it's like, I find it fascinating when, um, when they, do testing, split testing, or mm. and people test. They do testing, yeah. We or, even do that to, to ourselves, don't we? Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then, and then, people probably they have sit them down and they video people interacting with an application, and then they'll ask them, "How did you find that?" And yeah. people go, "Oh, yeah, it was great." But then they watch them struggling. Mm. You know, so our own perceptions mm. of how we interact. You know, we 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 have a, a kind of positive. Oh yeah, yeah, it was fine. Yeah. When actually no, yes. we did struggle on certain things. So you can't even. I don't think. I think in terms of feedback, you can't yes. just ask people. No. At face value, you've got to actually really watch them. I think and observe how they interact. If we can instill that sort of mindset into people, and to constantly be sort of attacking our own bias and our own hubris and yeah. our own preconceived ideas. Mm. Yeah. So that's why I think small experiments are the only way to go. Stop the talking, start the doing. Being open to feedback, putting your thicker skin on and changing early to avoid a lot of unnecessary waste. There are smaller ways to do most things and find out if you're on track. Don't ask, do, and then observe the results of your small experiments. But make sure you put something real in your test. You could easily ask someone to sign up to a prototype if they've got not much to gain and nothing to lose. Make sure you're putting something on the line for customers that's going to get a real result out of your test. I think one thing that I learned from an incubator that I spent a, yeah. a tiny bit of time in was, you know, don't give you should, don't give your stuff away for free. Yeah. Ask someone to make a commitment yeah. because, you know, people will take your free stuff and you won't really find out if your product is ever valuable to them unless you try and charge them for it. Yeah. Uh, which reminds me of something, something that someone said in a, um, a panel recently, which was, Sales fixes everything. Because <laughs> if you're selling, you fixes doing, all your company problems. You're doing something okay. Yeah, but if you're not selling, there's your answer about whether yeah. your customer likes your product or not. Changing tax somewhat, not all companies are making fantastic new products from startups. We live in a different world for many other things, for example, government products and services. Why do we put up with awful solutions and services? 
like those that support our day-to-day living in education, health, welfare and other government provided services and products. With government, they'll survive whether you use it or not. It's almost like it doesn't matter if you customers use it or not. Mm. You still that does feel how I'm being treated as a customer and I think of, that's of most our government services. Government yeah. services. You don't like, feel like a valued look member Look at Centrelink. Yes. Prime example how customers, like people on the phone for two hours, like yes. trying to get basic needs and access. And these mm. are the marginalised mm. people, you know. But you and I know that behind all of those services and operations are some pretty awful badly run yes. teams that our poster is yeah. essentially trying to reach those people that yep. you know aren't in the cool new tech digital companies yep. um, and we think all of those environments are fixable yep um, but, but they're wasting their money doing things yeah. the wrong way yeah and I think this is the yeah. thing governments don't have competitors it's not within their best interest for you yes. to be able to access your money yeah but now so you just inspire me to want to start a revolution where we follow <laughs> our own government <laughs> That's completely Marching online on streets, <laughs> and people streets. can actually vote and have mm-hmm. a say. But I think the thing is now in the digital, like this era, is there's a business. There's so much competition now. Mm. People are doing really smart things and it's, it's all over the place. You can't afford not to get it right. Yes. Like you really, it's, it's use it or lose it type mm. thing. You really need to sort this out, get it right, make it easy like your Airbnb experience. Yes. You, people have a short attention span. So people decide to do something, you need to get them in then and there mm. and don't get, give them a chance to opt out. So you mm. need to make your site or the experience, you know, like easy and workable and to get that result mm. ASAP. Uh, what I'm hoping will happen with government is they'll get dragged along in, this, in the flow of everything's in, getting better. Yeah, in this century. Yes, and so <laughs> I'm hoping what that means is the spread of skills and, and, and talents of people will mean yeah. that eventually you'll get people who know how to do this in, yep. in government. Yep. Um, yeah. But also I think it's understanding that it can be done and it, and it isn't that hard. You can't afford not to get it right. You need to make it easy like your Airbnb experience. We want to spread those customer-centric methods and ways as we all get better at doing this. But what about products in startup land? It's so easy to whip up a new business these days and surely these customer-centric approaches need to be central to startup success as well. So do businesses that are close to their customer problems always succeed? Interestingly, nine out of 10 startups still fail. Yeah. That's the stats that I hear. So what aren't we learning about small bets, understanding the customer, experimenting, yeah. all of the everything else that we haven't yeah. talked about in the poster that helps you yeah. deliver value, do less wasteful activities, and not yeah. put you know big projects into your pipe that we'll talk about another time. Yeah. But you know, we, we're still in the startup world, which is a very fast learning, environment like because if you don't get the sales sales fixes everything your business is going to fail the the failure rate is still so high yep i think also too people don't really focus on their point of difference Mm. what can you add that the other company with a similar thing isn't doing Mm. so that's your competitive edge too so it's understanding that and the behaviors what are you doing so well as well because you know i was thinking too you know when apple produce the iPod. There's plenty of MP3 players around. Oh yeah, I had and one. Yeah, Sony, it was awesome. Yeah, and they're probably just as good. Mm. So mm. Apple, I think, we're, or Steve Jobs or Apple, I think they're just really good at tapping into FOMO mm. and beautiful design yeah. and funky form things, and function, isn't it? all that sort of stuff. You yeah, know? For sure. So and, and leveraging human nature. Mm. You know, sort of, 
we, we like wearing funky clothes and mm. another point of difference that I found was the white headphones yeah you know because we were all wearing black cords yeah and white headphones yeah. became a yeah. trend something yeah. that, that so should you, look different so there's no point doing what everyone else is doing yeah. you know prime example white headphones but yeah. just something different and yeah. people do like to stand out I yes. think not every, you know in terms of novelty design. value Novel. yeah and being the, especially the youth mm. you know and I call and tapping into that mm. so it's, it's not you know but if you'd ask them mm. would that, you use our music player if it had white headphones and people like but it's the whole package isn't mm. it so and they use that in their marketing campaign for it's become quite iconic and yeah. associated with it. yeah 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 Clever. so that's a status thing isn't it mm. so so apple or steve jobs understood that isn't it status and mm. identity and that's what that's about so. we need to exploit our points of difference understand form and function and novelty value customer aspirations and customers vision of themselves their identity human-centered design techniques and design thinking have become common what implications will this have for businesses of the future? We see teams everywhere getting onto this design thinking, human-centered design, test and learn. Like you can see the momentum build under those techniques. Um, and you know, when we're doing fundamentals work with people, they love the fact that we're doing a bit of that as well. Because yeah. we just feel like development teams shouldn't be kept away from this, <laughs> this yeah. body of knowledge. And you know what, it's not hard to learn either. No. Some of that agile stuff, a lot of it's easy. Some of the you know technical practices and stuff are hard to learn and to implement, but design thinking stuff isn't hard to learn. So it feels just criminal to keep that from people. What do you think the future holds for teams getting closer to the customer or knowledge spreading about customer-centric approaches? Oh, it's going to be interesting. I think. I think mm. some companies are totally be on board, mm. and some won't. And I actually think those that do get on board and have those diverse thinking and, and design thinking because it is about new ideas yes. and, and just going beyond the narrow realm of thinking yes you know white headphones versus black headphones like yeah that might have come up on a you know and how well does that work so yes. I think the companies that will be broader and out there with the innovation will will, will just do better mm. you know it's like um you know natural selection mm. You know, you have, you know, mutant in the gene pool. And <laughs> yeah. it is, you have a, you know, and, and you exploit that gene and that becomes adapted to the new environment and they succeed where those have just continued on. Mm. Oh, this is what we've always done, it's worked before. And yet the environment's changed, so they die out, mm. really. Because, mm. And people are fickle, mm. you know. The average human, you know, we, we change from week to week, day to day, what mm. we like, what we don't like. So I think in the teams that do have that innovation and design thinking mm. and you know that is the way forward and, mm. and getting the devs you know closer to it you know all the people who aren't usually you know close to the customer I, I just think you have to mm. everyone should be close and understand what they're working toward yeah because you know, also it's satisfying yeah it's actually more enjoyable because if you like, understand feel it, a bit more confident about what you're building and, yeah. and, and you have that sense of purpose don't yeah, you because yeah. if you're just at the back end and not really have a sense of why you're orders doing, yeah and you, yeah, yeah and, and I you're think, just tinkering away yeah I think a real danger as well for, for dev teams is not understanding the value of different things against yep. each other yep. and building too much yeah. into because I mean it's, it's very much in the eye of the beholder how you solve a technical problem yep. and if you're solving something that's just a marginal problem for a customer then yeah. try and do it in you know a really fast 
Yeah. When I say fast, I, I mean not over-engineered way. But yeah. if you're building something that's core to the customer's problem, yeah. then that's where we really should put in the engineering effort, I think. Yep. And some final ideas. Hey, we've talked about lots of ideas here, which I really liked. Yeah. Um, got any quick hacks or ideas that you could, you know, maybe if you were working in a team and you heard this, some of what we said and you wanted to kind of just like snap them out of their thinking, what are some quick things that we could do? The clever one we saw was just putting up a little sign in your project area that said days, days since customer interaction. Yeah. You could just like, how many days since we've spoken to or heard from or had some feedback from the customer. Yeah. And it's quite a good visual. You know, and even like, who is your customer? Or even how many days? Who are they? Yeah. Just little. Yeah, yeah. Some questions. Just keep and keep going back to it. Yeah, you could even on your in your retros, you could yep. use it as a prompting question. Yep. Um, instead yep. of like, what's working, not working? What should we change? Yep. You could do a, what have you discovered about our customer this week? Yeah. If you list it up on a, a board. Mm. Just always have that forefront. What's your customer want? Who are they? Mm. Keep touching base. So. And it's like design. It's like you always go back to the brief and just make sure in design, like I, I can go off at tangents, you know, and design something that I think is great. Yeah. But it doesn't meet the, it's, it's, then it's worthless. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. It doesn't meet the brief. We've talked a little about how having great customer experience makes us feel. It makes us feel confident and valued. So I asked Indra, what's something you should keep in mind when it comes to valuing customers? Because, you know, everyone, yeah. everyone's a customer. Yeah, yeah. And this is what intrigues me too, you know. I have this pet hate real estate agents. Mm. And, you know, it's because when in my renting days... Hi to all the real estate agents out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, but this is the thing, people forget. And even, you know, job hunting and how many... People go, oh yeah, applied to all these companies. I didn't hear back. But then, Sturge, yeah. but then they're also your customers, mm. real estate agents. Don't treat your renters well because they're your future mm. people who buy. And I Absolutely. know from my experience in renting, like I own a house now because yeah. I'm unlucky. But I do know mm. that's burnt me my renting years, and yeah. I do know estate agents who treated me so badly as a renter I'm like I would never sell my house to them and that was a long mm. time ago but it doesn't matter that sticks mm. even if you don't think they are everyone's your customer treat them well just treat people well <laughs> it doesn't matter who they are they are your customer yeah. and buying your products thanks for your time Indra drama llamas so that was Indra and I talking about ideas and approaches for teams that build for customers and for getting us out in the world designing and building stuff for them but what if you work in a more traditional industry where you don't engage with a customer frequently, like insurance and superannuation? And what if your company was not structured with constantly adapting, customer-centric, agile teams? I wanted to ask someone who lives in that world, who knows all the right things they should or could do in their technology teams from his time working in innovation, but has real challenges in the prevailing operations, company structure and also mindsets that could be working against them in some ways. Here are some ideas for teams that are more similar to that. Where do you start? What works? How do you get your teams closer to the customer? What ideas can we learn from Stuart, who has technology teams working to deliver value in the insurance industry that can't get very close to their customers? Our issues and what we're looking to optimise is providing executives freedom to be able to um, make choices, decisions about what's working and what's not. And they are currently the proxies for customers or where there is already insights. So. We're working off premises where the products are fairly mature, 
Um, the industry is fairly well understood and we're working towards particular targets. So there's, there's challenges around getting closer to the customer because it's expected that it's either intermediated through retail advisors or through um, marketers or something like that. So the customer decisions are already sort of shaped around that upfront. What we try to do to improve our uh, speed to market and, and, and what we're doing is break down things so they're testable and uh, instilling more demonstration of working software, not insisting that it actually needs to be gold-plated before we actually put it in front of um, uh, executives or people who are actually going to sponsor it moving forward. And the struggle that we're trying to overcome is highlighting the complexity of the investment that needs to happen around technology as aspects, infrastructure, you know, um, uh, the, the kind of things that need to be in place in order for teams to run fast, we're looking for them to understand those things mm. so that we can get closer to the customer and adapt our offerings. So right now, we are probably not doing a great job of speaking directly to customers because we're working off insights that are well established, but we're looking at having shorter cycles mm. and more demonstration of small pieces to, to be able to get that feedback loop. Mm. And um, other kind of things that happen that help with that are... Removing project plans that forecast features six months in advance, which lock in thinking around what you need to have by the time you get to that, mm -hmm. sequencing the work in such a way that you can demonstrate the crit critical path, um, whether it's perfect or not, and essentially removing Gantt charts from the organization so that they don't lock in dependencies and executives conversations around timings, dates, and these sort of things. So what we're doing is freeing up the teams to be able to focus on small parts and demonstrate those things and get the feedback from them. Mm. When you say demonstrate, where are they demonstrating? Showcases. And you get your executives along? Yeah. And what's the reaction being? Uh, it's been an evolution because the thinking around what input is requested of executives tends to be funding and dates and communicating with partners around risks, compliance, and you know uh, demonstrating that we're going to meet our dates. Um, to now, well, I like that aspect or I like that feature, but I really don't think we need to do that. What would we need to forego in order to prioritize this mm. so it has helped in getting feature investment and understanding uh, components of what we're building um, and, and actually bought the right to regularly speak with our customer proxies or our investment people i can imagine that situation that it doesn't take too many old school <laughs> gantt chart oriented skill sets to go back to but what date and how much so how do you facilitate a conversation when you're in the room? At the moment, it tends to be steering people away from that conversation, but moreover, asking for input to um, what the critical path actually looks like. So we can say, um, the date doesn't need to slip. We just need to make sure that what you're focusing on right now is exactly the quality of what we're building. And if you can give some feedback on that, then we can manage what we deliver on that date. Mm. So essentially change the conversation and refocus around something that's more value-driven than it is around 
what we all know is probably the least valuable feature typically is the date. If we can make that a hygiene thing, that date can stay. That's the one that we're working towards and all we need you to do is focus on this next fortnight's worth of work that we're committing to and then communicate out what that means and how you might want to prioritise. It's a frustration of mine around customers because we've done really good work around customers and when you ask a direct, yeah. what, have you done, what do you do for customers, the answer is zero. Well, I think the answer is it's really difficult in those type of industries. And well, it's not if you have the innovation space. Yes, but, but that's the thing that's difficult is you've got to overcome current ways of working that is difficult. Mm. And that's why I wanted to put it in is because we give people the poster and they go, this looks amazing, where do I start? I just want people to know that there are small things you can do in each of these areas to start. Do you want to just say what your role is? I work at a large financial institution that would never want to know that I did any of this conversation <laughs> with you. What, what was your name again? Janice. Thanks, Janice. Don't worry, no one listens. Not happy, Janice. <laughs> if that resonated with you, perhaps it's time to ditch your Gantt charts and have showcases or reviews of what you're building instead. Talk of value of features and ask for input into that rather than making dates the thing that you talk about. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode. We'll blog all the tips and ideas you found here in the companion blog that you can find at www.rebootco.com.au forward slash blog. And we'll have more in the poster series coming up. So subscribe and keep tuning in to the weekly reboot on Fridays to hear more or get in touch, especially if you'd like a nice big poster to stick up at your workplace. The Weekly Reboot is a weekly podcast, and I'm Alex, not Janice. It's your Friday podcast debrief of things we've heard and seen coming from Adult Media here in Melbourne, Australia.